0: We are starting in five, four, three, two, one. Broadcast starting. up. <laughs>
1: You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio.
2: Don't be a juice bag.
0: You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a
3: plague, man. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw him in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right?
4: And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn same thing. thing. So you just put him in the morgue. This
1: is called pilot radio. And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> $10 for a BJ, $12 for an HJ, $15 for a ZJ. What's a ZJ? <laughs> you have to ask Big Man.
4: You can't afford it. This is
2: called Power Radio.
4: Lady, I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to ask you to leave the store.
2: Who the you?
1: Name's Ash. Housewares. Poor Bower. Flower, make a wish. Wish you weren't so fing awkward, Bub. This is called Power Radio. <laughs>
3: Before we get started. like, oh, no, these are stupid guns. Guns are for jerks. It's like, oh, no, action news. And now your host, Mike Lutzer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: totally going to use that, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, we got a great show in store for you this evening. Joining me for our festivities and all sorts of other cool things that we will be doing on the podcast is the co-host of GGR Pirate Radio and host of The Overflow. Uh, His name is MC Brooks. Back in here. We've also got our newest GGR contributor. Uh, She is... Going to be hosting a yet-to-be-named true crime podcast, which we're actually going to be helping her out with here real, real soon. Uh, You heard her last week, and you're going to hear her again this week. Her name is T.K. Walker. Hi, guys. And we will have another guest here very, very soon, Mr. James Rambo, uh, who is yet to join us. But that's okay. He'll be here soon. So let's go ahead and let's jump right into the topic du jour of this evening. Uh, I want to play a clip here real quick because um, it's awesome. Um and I'm going to kind of set the uh, set the mood for all of this too. So it's this time last year. It's it's June 7th, 2018. And the Washington Capitals are in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since uh 1998. So for you know, so it's been 20 years and the last time they were in the Stanley Cup final, uh they got the doors blown off of them. Bad by the uh, Detroit Red Wings. I mean, one of the best teams of the last like like thirty or forty years. They were just they were uh, just an, an incredible team. And going into this, and, and MC, I think you can kind of attest to this as well. Going into this, there was a lot of anxiety as a Capitals fan, as a DC sports fan, for that matter. That. First off, it was just awesome that they got there. We were like, holy crap, they beat the Penguins along the way? They never beat the Penguins. How the hell did that happen? Ever.
2: That right? Exactly. Completely unnecessary.
0: <laughs> hey, you guys have won like nine out of the last ten. Okay? Right? Give us this yeah, one. All right? <laughs> we're not asking you to – you guys don't have to vacate all your titles. Just Jesus Christ. Give us one. Uh, so the Caps – they managed to beat the Penguins. It was amazing, right? Then they get into the Eastern Conference Finals, and they go up two games to none. We're like, holy crap, who is this team? And then they lose three in a row. And, like, I know MC was feeling this way. I was feeling this way, too. We were like, yep, there's the Caps. There they are. There's our boys. There's the guys that fall apart when we really, really need them to win a game. But then something magical happened. They managed to win two games in a row in the Eastern Conference Finals and beat the Lightning. And the Lightning were the best team in the league all year. Just destroying everybody. And the Caps, and those last two games to win, because it's a four games to three series. you got to win four, uh, the best of seven. So to win game six and game seven, they shut down the lightning out and this is the highest scoring team in the nhl this is yep. like nobody does this they shut them out twice in a row and then not only that just manhandled them i mean they were just they were throwing bodies they were just knocking dudes out like it was just like it was incredible they, they get into the stanley cup final they're playing the vegas knights the vegas knights are a uh, expansion team that like just is having this incredibly magical season everything is going right for them so like I, MC, again, I, I think I can speak for you for this one. We pretty much thought that this was just not going to happen. Like, the, the Knights yeah. were going to win this. Like, it was just the, – the Cavs had no shot, right?
4: Yeah, and especially because literally it seemed like the entire country was rooting for Vegas simply because of the story of how that team got together and the fact that yeah. in their first year they managed to make it to the championship.
0: Well, that and – I mean, compounded by the fact that there was that awful tragedy at the um, – at the concert in Vegas, so it was one of those like feel good stories for them because it was like this hockey team was really bringing the city together after a horrible tragedy. So it was a feel good story, but for everybody except for Capitals fans, uh, we were like, no, F that, we want our team to win. And the Cap, <laughs> the Caps, lo- the Caps lost game one, and I was like, yeah, this is what's gonna, they're gonna lose this series. And in game two, Brayden Holtby, because. He's just—he's a, a god amongst men. M- managed to make this incredible save. Like this—this this puck bounces off the off the sideboards and does this weird bounce and like bounces in front of the net. And there's a dude from Vegas right in front of the puck and shoots yep. it. But Holpe, it was an open net. It was an it, open it, net. It, it, yeah.
4: Yeah. Any other time, that's an open net goal,
0: and that—that's it. Yeah. And knowing the Capitals, they give this goal up. That's normally what happens. It goes into overtime. They lose. But they're up 3-2. to two. There's like two minutes left in the third period. The game's almost over. Holtby dives across the goal and sticks his his goalie stick out and manages to block the puck. Mind you, this is like a margin of like like four or five inches, right? The net's maybe like three feet tall, so this guy has three feet to hit this net. And Braden Holtby manages to stop the puck with like a four inch stick. Like that's yep. how wide across it is. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was after that moment because the Caps ended up winning that game after this amazing save. I was like. Holy shit! They might actually do this. Yep. They, it's one. Of the, it's one of those plays
4: that, as soon as you saw, you were like, "If they win this series, that's gonna that's gonna go down in history." Yeah, for them. That, yeah. Like, that's gonna be a series-defining moment.
0: It was, and and they came. They came home. They came to DC to play games uh, three and four and they just owned Vegas. Like it was it was it wasn't even close. Vegas was never in any of these games. The Caps were were just buzzing around the net. They were super energetic. They were like flying all over the ice. It was just it was incredible and they just destroyed Vegas. Vegas had no shot. On top of that, Bryce Harper, former Washington National, is from Vegas. So he shows up to the Capitals game wearing Vegas Knights gear and everybody's booing him cuz he's an asshole. And Rightfully so. Yeah, right? Exactly. And then, like, they lose, and, like, there's so many pictures of him in his Vegas Knights jersey looking sad, and it's the greatest fucking thing ever. Um, (laughs) Especially now, yes. (laughs) I concur. But, like, on top of that, the Caps are now up three games to one. They've only got to win one more game to bring home the Stanley Cup championship, right? They go to Vegas. It's a back-and-forth game, dude. Like, Vegas at one point is up uh, three to two, and... My like my hero in this whole series has been this dude Devontae Smith Pelly for two reasons. One, he's he's a black dude playing for a DC team, which you don't see one. You don't see a lot of black guys playing hockey. Two, DC is Chocolate City. I mean, come on, like George Clinton said that. And to have a dude that represents so much of a population of a city on the ice, not only one is is awesome, but two, the dude is killing it in the playoffs. He has like something like 12, 13 goals. He's just amazing. He makes this amazing diving goal across the ice to tie the game at three. And I was like, holy shit, they might come back and win this game. And then they do come back and win the game. And, like, uh, I'm going to play the clip right now.
1: For the draw! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. unbelievable look at the celebrate that's what it's all about these guys are going crazy a team of destiny jobs
0: right from the drop of the puck these guys got it done and how about but that The hear, hearing playing. the emotion in the radio announcer's voice like his voice is cracking because he's that emotional like they, they finally won for the first time in 43 years in the franchise history they finally won and like it sounds stupid when you really break it down when you're like I got emotional about a sporting event but like this team finally managed to win the championship after decades and decades of getting so close and choking every single time uh, of like breaking your heart like to be that emotionally invested where you feel physically ill when your team doesn't do well like people can say well that's stupid all they want but it doesn't matter that's how you feel and you can't change it
2: That's because you're from D.C. Yeah, so this is my So you learn to yeah. turn your emotions off. In <laughs> Pittsburgh, we're emotionally invested in every single game. Yeah. We don't turn those off. So, yeah, that's oh, we're, why well,
4: you felt well, that we, way. We, well, we, we, we had to learn to turn them off so that, you know, the inevitable disappointment doesn't hurt as bad. Oh, yeah. when, you know, when it's, the 15th, when it's the 15th and 16th time
0: of well, watching as, one of your teams fall short too, of glory, especially too. Like, I think that anybody who's lived in DC for any extended period of time, and, and Rambo, thank you for, for joining us, man. We appreciate you being on. Um, Absolutely, I think you can attest to this too because you're also a DC native. There's a certain cynicism and sarcasm, and just like in general. That, that comes with being a DC native that like whenever something bad happens, there's always the sarcastic eye roll of, well, there it goes again because that's what we're used to because that's how yep. we have to protect our hearts because we're all sensitive people underneath. Right. But that's the only way we can survive in this cold, harsh world where DC sucks at everything. Right. Like We have to protect ourselves. And, In this moment, when they finally, the Caps finally brought it home, they finally won, they finally overcame all those ghosts of playoff performances past, like, that that protective, sarcastic layer just, like, kind of crumbled. It's like that scene in The the Grinch. It's like, at that moment, Mike's heart grew three sizes that day. Like, it was... Like, I definitely, I definitely, like, I teared up, man. I was, I was cra- And then they played, of course, they played We Are the Champions by by Queen. And I'm crying like a bitch because, like, I was just like, my team finally won and I can sing this song. Oh. And, like... Of course, there's posts coming up on social media that was just like, hey, guys, you know, I know everybody's excited, but just, you know, for a second, you know, remember all those loved ones who waited for this team to win a championship who are no longer with us. And I'm like, of course, that gets me too because my mom passed away and she used to go to Capitals games with me when I was a kid. So it was just like, oh, God, they won it. I'm sad and I'm happy. Oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but it was like to be very, very long-winded to start this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what this was all about. This was the motivation for this episode because this stretches beyond sports. There there are things that we loved and we anticipated and we waited for and when it finally came on the big screen or it finally came out as a book or as a comic book or as a TV show, it fine it was this thing that we were like it was just unadulterated joy. You were you could finally be excited again about this thing that you had waited so long for. And even even now a year later like, I still will watch the replays from when they won the Stanley Cup championship. And it still is just, like, it's awesome. It's awesome yep. to see these guys, these this collection of international stars come together. And, like, you see how emotionally they are. Like, the two cornerstones, uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom, right? As soon as they hand the cup to Alex Ovechkin, he lifts it over his head. And then as soon as he lifts it over his head, he, he starts yelling, Backy, that's, that's what he calls Nicholas Backstrom. He's like, Backy! Backy, he's just yelling. He's like, "Backy, we did it!" Like it's, it's like one of if if that doesn't like at least like pull at the heartstrings, you are a cold, cold cold-hearted person because that was just these are two guys that have been through it all together and they stayed and like the team stayed together for the most part, and and finally ended up winning the championship. So that was again very long-winded, but that that is that's how I want to kick this episode off is just how awesome it feels to have this something that you love so much finally come through uh, in in the biggest way possible. So that was my moment. Um, let's, um, let's welcome James Rambo. Hey, you're back, man. We haven't talked to you in, in forever. Hey, what's going on, folks? Hooray, James Rambo's on the show. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> and you get to meet the newest GGR contributor. Her name is TK Walker. So TK, say hello to James Rambo.
3: Hi,
2: Rambo.
3: Hi, TK. See? It's nice to meet you. It's super nice to meet you, too.
0: <laughs> Everybody's friends. Hooray. Guys, I know that... TK, I know you're a sports fan. MC, I know you are, too. Rambo, uh, not so much. But that's okay, because you are a fountain of knowledge. Dude, We we sold you so hard to TK... Like, you didn't oh even, God, you didn't even I'm going to disappoint <laughs> you so much <laughs> they
3: Prepare for a letdown
0: ever. <laughs> I don't know how to handle all this uh, pressure um, But I want to start with uh, with TK since you're our newest um, Give me something like this whether, whether it's sports, whether it's TV, whether it's movie, a book, something like that That you would just like, when it finally came out When it finally happened And it was awesome You were just like, holy shit, this is what I was waiting for.
2: Oh, the one I posted earlier was Mario 3. I waited and waited and waited for that. And you didn't, the stupid gamer magazines back then, they were like once every four months or whatever. And, you know, you would see the advertisement for it. And I would be like, oh, I can't wait to get this. I was so excited about it. I worked so hard. I would make my grandma's bed for her when she would go to work. And my poor grandfather was blind as a bat. He would think that he was giving me quarters. And he was really giving me nickels. <laughs> and Aww. I would be like, oh, thanks, Granddad. <laughs> and he would think he was giving me this big pile of money, you know. But it was really just like a dollar. So, <laughs> but I I did that forever, it seemed like. And then finally it came out. And I went. I was so excited. I had a Nintendo jacket. And, um... One of those pink, neon pink puffer skirts, and I went up to pay for it. I went and asked the lady at Toys R Us for it, and I just remember her putting it in my hand, and it was, like, a magical moment. Like, it was, it's burnt in my brain forever. That's awesome. And then when I finally got home to play it, oh, my God, I stayed up, like, for at least three days and just sat in my bedroom and played that game. I was the first one in my town to beat it. It that was is, amazing.
0: That is awesome. Yes. That's awesome. I actually have a Mario Three story too with that. Um, my my mom had promised me that she was going to get it for me because um, like I had like I got my like my weekly allowance. And I was in the same thing. I was like was saving up for this game because like it looked awesome. It was in that movie The Wizard with uh, Fred Savage. Like, oh, this The is,
2: Wizard! Yeah. I was trying to think that that was why I had the Nintendo jacket. Like I wanted to be that girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's her? Oh God, she's um she's the lead singer of a band now. Um, Oh, Rylo Pilot. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Rambo. See, oh. see Rambo, there, all the things we said go. about you about how you're this found chronology <laughs> and just proven yourself. Validated. That's,
2: <laughs> That's so crazy. I never knew that. That's yeah. awesome though. See,
0: this is what you get with GGR Pirate Radio, Mr. Jenny. Jenny Lewis? Yeah, Jenny Lewis. Yeah. I think that your Lewis. Name is? yeah. Yeah, most like generic name ever, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, so my mom promised me that she was going to get this game, right? But then she ended up like having to work really, really late, so she couldn't pick it up. So the next day on the school bus, all the kids that had already gotten a game, because their parents, you know, love them more than my mom did. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Like, they were all talking about the game, right? But I didn't want to feel left out. And they were like, did you get the game too, Mike? And I'm like, yeah, of course I did. What's the first level like? And I'm like, oh, you know, you you step on some mushroom, guys. And, you know, you know. (laughs) And they're like, you didn't get it. And they're just, like, razzing me so hard. And I'm just like, shut up, guys. Leave me alone. The kid that lived across the street, who was my best friend at the time, um, told his mom about this. And his mom went out and bought the game for me. Oh man. <laughs> and I was like I was I was like oh my god this is so amazing wow and my mom was like I just I've been so busy at work and and like the neighbor like she was just like it's fine don't worry about it you can just give me the money back and it's it's cool I just I heard about the story and it made me feel bad and it was just like the coolest thing because me and Ryan was the kid's name that lived across the street me and Ryan that weekend we just we binged the hell out of the game dude that's like all we did we just we ate we ate Doritos and remember those Ninja Turtle fruit pies but it wasn't fruit pie it was Bar- like the yeah yeah like yeah. that weird ooze that was inside of them yeah we ate those and like drank Heisey fruit punch it was awesome it was like the greatest weekend ever and like probably contributes to me. Being overweight now, but still, (laughs) totally awesome.
2: I used to love those little Tony's pizzas, the little mini ones that you would put in the toaster, you know, like yeah. the toaster oven. Oh, man. That's what that was my go to when I was a kid.
0: The Tony's yeah, like three
3: dollars a piece. Yeah. yeah, they're fucking awesome.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, they're so good. Dude,
0: I I remember I want to say I was like sixth or seventh grade. Right. So I'm like 13, 14 years old. Right. So I would come home from school. Both my parents work. So, I'm you know, I'm like a latchkey kid here and I would like fancy myself like an early like early 90s version of like emerald Agassi here and i would do english muffin pizzas and like make them myself oh. with my own so- oh yeah no dude like it was it was legit it's- right yeah you know and this is also like this is the time like in sixth grade seventh grade when you start like having phone relationships with people so like there was this girl that lived like a few streets over of course she wasn't allowed to come over but i would entice her to you know maybe stop by and visit you know on a bike ride with you know the english muffin pizzas work like a charm every <laughs> single time. It's cool. We can sit on the deck, you know, because then, you know, nobody will think anything bad's is happening. So.
2: <laughs> Did you have one of those phones um that was clear, that was see through? Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. No, I didn't have one of those, but like that was, that was like the go to. I feel like that was a, not to be sexist at all, but I feel like that was a girl phone. <laughs> like guys didn't have Wasn't that phone. No, nah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Yeah, because my sister had that.
2: Yeah. Oh, was not a girl thing? And we were always so excited when we would get our own phone line. Like, if you had yeah. your own separate line in the house, then oh, yeah. that you were, was... You were amazing. legit,
0: yeah. Yeah, you were legit. Like, we we yep. got one of those, too, but then, like, for, for, like, a minute. But it was more so for uh, the old days of AOL. That's why we had the second phone line. Oh. You know, so that when somebody <laughs> picked up the phone, it didn't kick you off the internet, so... <laughs> Mr. Rambo, we haven't heard from you... And forever we miss you so much i'm so glad you're back tell me a little oh, bit buddy. about one of one of your your things one of the things that you were just like holy shit i can't wait for this thing to happen and then when it did happen you were just like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened
3: there there are two that spring to mind both of them involve tv series um and they're both pretty heavy spoilers so be forewarned um i'm gonna give away a couple major plot points to things um, the first one and probably the most universal one that other people will appreciate is, uh, the murder of Joffrey Baratheon. Um, when, <laughs> when he actually got killed, that was such a fucking satisfying moment in pop culture for me. <laughs> it I, wasn't
4: good. I never,
0: I never watched it, but like, I just remember seeing all of my friends That's talk else. about it.
4: Yeah. Yo, that, I that day on social media was crazy because it—it literally seemed like every post, every post was singing "ha ha, he's dead
0: finally," and like they're talking about a kid. So like, right. out, of, out of context, you're just like, "Wow, everybody really hated this kid." Jesus. Like- oh yeah,
3: yeah. He's an inbred uh, uh, teenage king who gets poisoned by a by you find out later uh, uh, an elderly woman. <laughs> <laughs> a grand, a, like a great grandmother, killed this fucking kid. <laughs> it was phenomenal it's because, pretty- like, so the the thing that Game of Thrones did really well, uh, among various other things, was it really fucked with your expectations. Um, you know, there was lots of you know, you know, people talk about the red wedding and how that was such a major plot point. It absolutely was, particularly because it just narratively, it just stopped the, sh- the the story cold. You know, even even only on, uh, on certain aspects, there were just certain storylines that just ended right there. Um, because they can't maintain, because these characters are dead. Um, and with Joffrey, there was, all, for me at least, there was always this sort of hope of like, man, what if he never dies? What if he never gets any comeuppance? Because the other thing that it did, uh, the show did really well, was um, yeah, there isn't necessarily justice in this world. Um, just because you feel like a thing should happen in a narrative doesn't mean it's going to. So to have him unexpectedly too, because I, I always expected to be like a much bigger thing of like somebody really like taking him out with a sword. Um, to have him at his oh was it was it his wedding? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was at his wedding. So, yeah, he 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 drinks some poisoned wine uh, and it is this me and me and Katie watch it together and we're both like, no, are they? No. Oh, man. I remember holding her hand (laughs) like it was such a special moment for the two of us (laughs) because he is one of the greatest villains in fiction, period because he is universally reviled um, you know rarely do you see someone like, like there's, there's there's usually something you can find in most villains uh, to even if you don't like to at least respect or appreciate no Joffrey was a monster um, and he, he made, made all the worse because he's the result of um, an ongoing incestuous affair between his parents uh, that lasted since they were children. Um. So yeah, when you when you finally get Joffrey, like when he finally gets his comeuppance that was fucking awesome. Cause like the last shot you get of him is just like. It's just his 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 uh like the blood vessel vessels all fall, sh- like like exploded in his face, so his face is just one giant bruise and he dies in the arms of his mother and it is uh, it's so brutal. Uh, <laughs> I just it was, like you're like it's so brutal as you laugh. Like Oh, <laughs> it was the greatest thing. It was cause it was such a visceral payoff. Yeah. Um it was uh it was so much better he, he doesn't get like like a warrior's death. No. You get poisoned by an old lady and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that same woman later on reveals to her to his father um, just before she dies from poison. She's taken herself um, that she's the one who did it. And she wants to make sure that he tells Cersei, uh, Joffrey's mom, <laughs> that it was <laughs> and it was fucking fantastic.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, dude. What was the uh, what was the second one?
3: the second one okay so I don't know who has seen the strain has anybody on Battle oh, the, seen the,
0: stra- uh, the Guillermo del Toro vampire thing yes
3: yeah, seen um, it. yeah. read the, read the right. books
0: man they were good
3: I've heard that yeah so it's wonderful it is a lot of fun um, it definitely takes some turns you don't expect uh, there's some time jumps in places where you're like alright well how, how are, how are our, our, our plucky heroes gonna save the save the day now oh they're not What? 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 I don't understand. What's going to happen? Yeah, the whole last, like, full season, if not season or two, is Vampire Apocalypse. It is fucked up. Um, But one of the lead characters in the show is this old uh, uh, Roma Jew named uh, Abraham uh, Satrakian. And he has been, he's our our, our Van Helsing for the show. And he has been uh, hunting vampires or as he calls them, uh, since he was in a concentration camp, uh, during World War II. And his primary nemesis throughout the show, uh, is a guy named Eichhorst. Eichhorst was, um, one of the SS officers that, that was working at the camp that he was stationed in, uh, excuse me, stationed in, like he was a fucking soldier, that he was, like he was taken prisoner in, um. And he gets, he gets turned um, during World War II, and so Eichorus becomes sort of the Renfield to the Grandmaster uh, vampire called the Master. Um, and it's not until the last season, maybe like the fourth or fifth from the last episode, that Satra- that not only does Eichorus die, but he dies the hand of Satrakian, and it is... So satisfying, like there, it was. It was this moment that had been building the entirety of the show. Yeah, um, and to finally have that payoff was just oh god, it was so goddamn great. Um, yeah, everybody in that show does a really great job, even though even like 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 people are, are chewing scenery and having a good time. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was really impressively done, and that that death was. um was yeah, super satisfying and a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen the show and you like horror or vampires or any number of things, uh, don't let that little spoiler uh, prevent you from watching it because it's fucking great.
0: Yeah, and it t- it really takes the whole I... vampire thing in in a different direction. It's they're not like the I want to suck your blood vampire. I mean, they're they're way way creepier and like much more animalistic and like almost feral in a way, but like it del toro does such a great job with describing them and like it, you you, you got to see it like because it's, it's a whole different side of vampirism than you've ever seen before if anybody is has this, seen
2: um oh i'm sorry go ahead no, is no, this no, fine. the person who did uh 30 days a night no
3: um no steve niles uh wrote the comics 30 days a night is based on guy named david Slade directed it um but but the, like those those are really like monstrous brutal vampires too uh, How which do you is...
2: know this writer? What else well, did Guillermo did, del Toro?
3: Yeah. Uh, he uh, directed um Blade Was 2, it... he directed uh Shape of Water, um Devil's uh, okay. Backbone, Chronos, Pants um, Labyrinth,
0: yeah. He's
3: Labyrinth. He's a uh, he's a Mexican-American uh, director um more a director does... than he's
0: a writer but he's also a writer, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, and actually if you've seen Blade 2, uh, the 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 vampires in that movie uh, are very much inspiration for um, the the Strigoi in uh, The Strain. Yeah.
2: Can I just tell you that, um, yeah, I, I've seen most of those movies and I thought, there's something that I really like that he did. I did love The Shape of Water, but Pan's Labyrinth, Labyrinth, Labyrinth I can't say that word, um, um, <laughs> that was my absolute favorite i oh, love great, that movie. it's a great
0: film let me tell you how i almost started a fist fight with somebody because they told me that <laughs> pan's labyrinth that the only people that like pan's labyrinth are pretentious assholes and oh. like normally normally like i can carry on a conversation with just about anybody right you know i have the gift of gab as they like to say so we're just shooting the shit we're standing outside of a movie store right like back when you know movie stores existed like hollywood video and we're talking movies, and I was like, dude, if you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, you need to check it out. It's amazing. And he was like, well, I find that people who say Pan's Labyrinth is good are pretentious assholes. And I go, and, he, and then he starts talking about something else. I was like, no, 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 hold up.
2: Because there's, like there's like four or five people in this conversation.
0: And I'm like, no, 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 uh-uh, mm-mm. back up. I was like, you're telling me that a movie that got a 25-minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival is pretentious? You're telling me that a movie that won an Oscar... Is pretentious. You're telling me a movie that pretty much every single critic has seen, every movie critic on the face of the planet has seen and has said resoundingly is an amazing work of art is pretentious. Please tell me, tell me a little bit more. Where have you studied film? What do you know about film? Well, I watch a lot of movies and I was like, oh, you can fuck right off, dude. Like I was I was hot. And like one of the other guys that works there was just laughing because he knows how much I know about movies, right? And he was like, he was like just laughing and I was waiting for him to kind of hold me back because I was like inching towards this dude, but he didn't even hold me back. I was like, oh, he's going (laughs) to let me do it. All right. So I was just like, please, tell me. Tell me another movie that you think is better than Pan's Labyrinth because I would love to fucking know what you think is not pretentious. And he couldn't come up with anything. Maybe I intimidated him. It's possible. I was <laughs> I was right out of the army when I did this. So, I mean, I was still, like, short hair, still in really good shape. I probably had a crazy look on my eye. I'm not going to lie. But, like, Pan's Labyrinth almost made me fight somebody. So.
3: <laughs> I, I got the opportunity to see that at a... DC Film Society screening. Yeah. Um, and not only was Guillermo del Toro there and did he answer one of my questions, which was fucking great, um, but I got to watch that incredibly violent movie with a room full of stuffed shirt old white people who were <laughs> so <laughs> uncomfortable, um, particularly during the uh, the scene where the, the captain um pounds a man's nasal bone into his brain with a bottle of wine. Yeah. Um you could just you could hear every asshole in that room tighten. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was oh God. Also every other word out of Doltoro's mouth is fuck. Uh and so again, just lots of like, That's oh I don't I don't know how to feel about this this uh <laughs> this man who's wearing a t-shirt and jeans, and he's just talking about this this wonderful film he's made. Um, He's using such foul language. Um, But yeah. yeah. uh, Anybody who thinks that's pretentious is an asshole. Yep. You hear that, that, Bobby? You're an asshole. Yeah, fuck you, Bobby. (laughs) Fuck you right in the
0: eye. (laughs) MC Brooks, tell me what you got, buddy. I can't wait to hear it.
4: Oh boy. Um, (laughs) But I... (laughs) Uh, well, I, I have two. I have two also, but I'll I'll just give one now. Okay. Um. I, Mike, I, Mike, I think you can relate to this more than probably anyone else. But being a skins fan in the late '90s and early 2000s was rough. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially when it came to beating Dallas, our you know kind of hated rivals. Yeah. And the 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 moment I wanted to highlight was the Monday Night Miracle, oh, which I'm sure. <laughs> Which, yeah. which I'm sure, you know, any anyone who is a fan of the Skins, they they know exactly what I'm talking about, because it seemed like par for the course. You know, if you were a Skins fan in the late '90s, early 2000s, like going against Dallas meant you were probably going to lose. And and what's worse than that, it also meant having to hear the Dallas fans that you work with, or that live next to you, or that you ride the bus or train with, or whatever the case may be. It just means they're going to be running their lip. And you can't really do anything but take it, and and you know they have a valid point. They've kind of kicked your ass for years, <laughs> and so you're yeah. just kind of waiting for that for that one day where you can you can finally have your have your sweet revenge. Like you know, eventually one of these days they're gonna get it, and and it happened in kind of the one of the one of the sweetest ways possible. You know, it was a Monday Night Football. Skins haven't really scored. They hadn't scored a touchdown that year, I believe. I think they had beaten Miami the week before, like nine to seven on three field goals. Yeah. And then, you know, they're losing to Dallas 13, nothing. And and honestly, anyone that watched the game, they probably should have been losing by a lot more. Like it, it was not, it was not a good game whatsoever. Then I think it was what, like four minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And uh, Brunel converts like a fourth and 15 or something like that runs for like 25 yards or something like that. And then the very very next play connects with Santana Moss on uh, however long 50s whatever yard touchdown, and it was great. But you know it, it kind of seemed like oh well you know whatever okay they scored you know it's 13-7 whatever they're gonna they're gonna lose with whatever. And I, I won't even lie, I kind of went to bed around this point. <laughs> I was like I've you know have school tomorrow, There's no point in, in you know me really you know staying up to watch this. And so I go to bed. About mm, 10 minutes later, I get woken out of my sleep and it sounds like elephants are dancing and throwing bowling balls around like my living room. (laughs) And, and it's, it's my mom and she's my mom and my older sister and they're jumping up and down. I'm like, yo, the hell's going on? And so, uh, you know, my sister comes down just like jerks me out of bed. And I fall hit the floor and I'm half groggy. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is happening? Like, do we have a fire, like what's happening. And, <laughs> and uh, she's like, turn on the TV. Look, look, turn on the TV. And they're showing the replay of Mark Brunel hitting that 75 yarder to Santana Moss to take the lead with like, I don't, I don't even know how much, I don't even know how much time was left, but skins take the lead 14, 13. And they inevitably ended up winning that game. And, they didn't deserve to win that game, but it 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 was it was really sweet. Like it was it was just a really sweet moment to finally overcome a team that had been kicking your ass for years, and now you beat and you not you not only beat them, but you you beat them in a comeback victory that that that's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth.
0: Oh, dude, it was, and you, you paint a, a lovely picture of that, but statistically speaking too. There were there were so many things that were going on in this game that were amazing. Like so, the guy that was coaching the Cowboys, right, Bill Parcells, like he had some record where he was like eighty five and zero when his teams were leading in the fourth quarter with less oh, yeah. than six minutes yep. to play. Uh, well, after that game, he was eighty five and one. So <laughs> yeah, it was like this giant middle finger because like. One, Parcells used to coach the New York Giants, and he always gave the, the gave Washington fits. So, like, he always owned them in the, in the regular season. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys had always been beating Washington, too. So it was like, not only did you get the Cowboys, you also got Parcells. And, like, just this amazing comeback, like, against your hated rival when you had no business winning it. It was like, yeah, it was, that was pretty cool. Like, that was, it's one of the few, like, bright spots of of basically the last like 30 years of, of Washington football. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to, there's, there's so many more that I have and I, I I mentioned a few of them on the, on the Facebook page. And one of the ones that I mentioned was, um, I'm a huge, like one of my favorite books of all time is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like just absolutely love it. Read it cover to cover multiple times. Like that it's it was that good. Like I enjoyed the book so much that I read it multiple times. And I think very few books you can do that with, where you actually know the outcome but you still read it anyways. And with this particular book, when they announced that they were going to be making a movie, and it was going to have, um, I just lost the name. I know Zoe Deschanel was going to be a trillion which was cool, but also too you're going to have Martin Freeman as Arthur Dent and then you were going to have why can I not remember his name, the guy who played Zaphod Beeblebrox. Um uh, Sam Rockwell. Thank you. Thank you. Every single one of the people that they chose was a perfect fit. For, like everybody was a perfect fit. And then not only that, Marvin, the depressed robot was voiced by Alan Rickman. I mean, like mm-hmm. it was perfect. Everything was perfect about the casting and the movie if you were a fan of these books was was Exactly what you wanted it to be. It was exactly what it needed to be. I think the problem was because it didn't. It didn't really do that well, and they're never going to do a sequel, which is a damn shame. But like, for somebody who was such a fan of these books, to finally have that movie come out and see it and see exactly what you had imagined up on the screen, was very, very satisfying, and I, I really, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I also think that Lord of the Rings, for anybody who had read any of tolkien's stuff as a kid like i did um and you finally got to see the lord of the rings movies on the on the big screen those were that was how i I pictured a lot of that stuff like when i because as you read you kind of paint a picture in your brain that's how i pictured a lot of these things now of course the books and the movies are different but like i'm not one of those people that thinks that it has to be exactly the same way as it was in the book because you don't need a guy in yellow tights you know, playing a, uh, a lute, you know, dancing around the party as they're marching through um, Mordor. Because that's kind of, you know, kind of stupid. Uh, but, like, it was still good. And, I, and, God, I enjoyed it. And seeing it come up on the big screen. But the one that I really wanted to get to, you guys know how much I love Star Wars. And I've enjoyed all of the Star Wars movies that have come out, even after the original trilogy. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I hate all the prequels. They're an abomination. But, like two in particular, in Revenge of the Sith, when you actually get to see Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader, that was super satisfying. Like, seeing that final fight and, like, the, you know, kicked into a a lava pit, and like, becoming Darth Vader, that was pretty satisfying. But more so than that one, for years and years and years, anybody who's been a big Star Wars fan who's read any of the outside of canon books or comic books or anything like that, we've all, like, heard these stories about how badass Darth Vader was. But really, you never got to see it on the big screen. It just didn't happen. And it was it was fine. Oh, Tec- I know what you're
3: going to say <laughs> technology
0: was limited. Oh god, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, we all knew that Darth Vader was a badass, but we hadn't actually seen it. Then this little movie Rogue One comes out. And Rogue One in its own right was a great flick. It was really, really enjoyable. But the best part of that movie is when you get to the very end. And the rebels have gotten the Death Star plans, and they're trying to get out of uh, Scarif's uh, orbit so that they can go take it to the rebellion, and they can stop this abomination of a of a machine that's going to destroy planets and kill people. And then Darth Vader shows up on the rebel plant on the rebel ship, and he fucks up every single rebel soldier on that ship and it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I've got my cousin next to me and I'm like grabbing him by his shoulders and like shaking him back and forth. I'm like, are you watching this? He's like, I was trying to, but now I can't. Would you stop? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I, I had never actually seen Darth Vader do this shit on the big screen and he was doing it. And I was like, Oh my God. Like after that movie came out, Before it came out on Blu-ray, before it came out on Netflix, I probably watched that scene on YouTube, just that scene, probably, like, a million times, because it was so fucking awesome. Like, I I had never had a fan moment like that pay off like that, where it was like, they said they were going to do this thing, and then we got to see the thing, and and the thing was exactly what I hoped it was for. So, yeah. Wow. Holy shit. It was awesome. It was
3: awesome. I've always thought vader looked really cool i always thought he was an interesting villain but i never found him scary like i know plenty of people who like they grew up having seen him were always terrified of darth vader i I never had that experience but watching that scene it is done like a horror movie yeah it is terrifying (laughs) it is so unsettling watching that happen
0: i your reaction to joffrey getting murdered It was my reaction to Darth Vader (laughs) obliterating rebellion scum. Like, you know, how dare you defile the Empire as he slices them in half, shatters their larynxes, throws them across the room, blocks their blaster bolts with the force. Like, fuck those guys. Like, Darth Vader (laughs) is justice with a red saber. And, like, it it was, oh, God, it was so great. But, yeah, it was. It was shot like a horror movie. It was awesome. He's
3: so casual about the whole thing. Yeah. He just is he's more irritated that they're in his way because he knows he's going to get through them oh man yeah it was, yeah' oh, it was amazing
0: fantastic um TK give us another one that you got um as far as like the, the payoff was just so worth it
2: um let me think let me think because my other one that I listed was hunger games but honestly i was I was excited to see it. And the payoff was good, but not not as satisfying as Mario 3. I don't know if I could ever top Mario 3. Well, no, I yeah. really don't. Makes sense.
0: <laughs> I mean, Darth Vader was cool and everything, but my favorite sports team <laughs> winning a championship finally uh, was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. No, I, I totally get you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Rambo, what about you, man?
3: Oh, no, I I absolutely blew my load with those two. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Phrasing. I um, know. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah, man, that, honestly, actually, like,
3: <laughs> I, I couldn't. If you, if you hadn't asked me outright, uh, I'm sure I could come up with a thousand. Oh, that's but fine. But off the top of my head, um, for, the, for the most part, I'm I'm much more uh, sort of take things as they come kind of guy. I gotcha. you. Um, and I don't necessarily think terribly far ahead about what's going on. Like put it this way, if I'm watching a movie or something and I'm thinking about the ending, you're either doing something really well or really badly.
0: Yeah.
3: Um because I I try to be as in the moment as I can, particularly with uh with media and things. Um so yeah, like knowing or at least hoping for the most part that those two things were going to happen. Um and finally, getting them paid off was 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 a really big deal. But typically, I'm not uh, that that really that into it. And I'm not really a big competitive guy. So sports for me is not really a big deal. Yeah. um, um but I can see I can absolutely see why that would be, you know, a major payoff and, and deeply satisfying. Oh yeah. And to yeah. really quick to touch on something you said earlier, Mike. There's nothing stupid about being so happy you cry. There's nothing bad about that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I've lost count of the number of comics I've cried at because I was just overwhelmed by emotion. Um, I just wanted to make that clear and, and and say that out loud.
0: Well, I I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's more one of those things like maybe it's residual, but like I, I've always been the type of person that tries to not not so. I try like to to not let things affect me because I'm just an emotional person in general, and I try like just to take the joy from it and it's it's i mean it's also comforting in a way when you're so joyous that it it comes instead of just smiling and laughter it comes out in tears too i mean it's 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 kind of a cool thing but um yeah it's yeah i appreciate that though thank you for saying that um here's the great thing about this guys we actually as a group and, and mc i think you you said you have one more right yep okay um, we're going to let MC do his, but we have this awesome collection of fans that listen to our stuff and love us very, very much. And they've given us some of their moments. So we'll talk about those, too, right after MC gives us his second on the list.
4: Well, actually, before I give mine, uh, Rambo, I have a question for you. Are there, any, com- are there any comic moments that uh, that you were oh, looking forward call. to? Yeah, dude. Um, let me see. Any, any great payoff of any great story, lines, story arcs or anything?
3: I don't know, man. Uh, I'm sure there are. I'm just having a hard time thinking of them. You know, I, I was thinking about another um, an, another thing that I had always wanted to have and finally got uh, the much maligned Man of Steel. Um, I, you know, I still do really dig that movie, even as a big Superman fan. Um, I had always wanted to see like Superman fly and punch somebody. I wanted to see some kind of like actual legit action with that character and say what you will, good or bad, there are some dope fucking fights between Kryptonians in that movie. Um, So yeah, that was awesome. But yeah, I I mean, yeah, I I hate to be anticlimactic about it, but I'm sure sure there are. Uh, They're just not springing to mind, unfortunately.
2: Can I just tell you guys one thing? I'm having one of those moments. Um, Zombieland 2 comes out in October. And for yeah. me, I feel like I've been waiting for that moment for years. And when my daughter, you know, you see all the false ones, like, and um, my daughter sent me a thing saying, Mom, it's finally happening. And she was exci- as excited as I was. And I was like, no way, it's fake. And she was like, please look it up. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was like a moment. So we've been, you know, anxiously awaiting this.
0: Well, that's, so I that's awesome, too, that you guys can share bed. that, too, like, the, the oh, shared yeah. thing because like Jax, Jax and I had that moment too because we both loved the movie Wreck-It Ralph and when they announced oh. the second Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> movie Jax was like he like stopped what he was doing and he, like the commercials on TV and like just wh- whatever he was doing just stopped it and like turned and looked at me and he's like we have to see this in the theater and I was like you're goddamn right we do like <laughs> <laughs> like it's not optional yeah. it's gonna happen <laughs> exactly exactly um, but MC yeah man go ahead with your uh, with your second one man
4: Okay, so I I do have a second one, but then I I do have two others because okay. they just they just sprung to mind. Sweet. Two others that they're not out yet, but or one of them is out, but I haven't played it, so I'm not like I'm excited to get to it eventually. And that is, I'm excited for the Final Fantasy 7 remake. Oh right, it's not it's not it's not out yet, but the trailer looks really fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and 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 like I played Final Fantasy 7 like way like way after most people did. So like I was already used to like PlayStation Two, you know, uh, Dream uh, not Dreamcast, a uh, GameCube graphics by the time that I played, and like for the longest time because I really enjoyed that game, even though Nine is better, but whole oh, other argument. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been I've been like waiting for them to to remake this game and do it with updated graphics because we saw how awesome it was, and then they kind of teased this when they released the 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 movie uh advent children uh sometime in the 2000s which you know gave us kind of a proper ending to to seven and to clouds arc and and everything that was going on with him eris and zach and whatnot so it's not out yet but like i'm super excited for that like uh, like square square enix for the longest time kept telling us they were never going to redo the game and then to just kind of give a giant fuck you to microsoft a few years ago they were like (laughs) oh hey guys Hey guys, remember that game you said we said we were never gonna remake? Well, guess what? We did it. Here it is. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it's funny too, because like working in the video game industry, like every year we would go out to Vegas for the big video game convention, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd learn about all the new games that were coming out and all the new shit. And every time we would get to Square. Uh, Before they were Square Enix or Square Enix once they joined forces, um, some asshole would always be like, are you guys remaking Final Fantasy VII? And like the way that they did it (laughs) is there's two like white dude handlers that are there in person, right? But then we're getting to ask the developers from Japan, right? so you literally would like see the guys like roll their eyes and turn and ask the guy in Japanese and and you would wait because it's going from Vegas to Japan so it takes like five seconds so he'd say it (laughs) and then just like watching and I'm like elbowing my friend I'm like Ben Ben fucking watch this guy's face right like as it changes because you could you could see it in the guy's face he was like god I am sick answering these goddamn questions about Final Fantasy 7 and like he would just roll his eyes and sigh and be like no there's no plans and yada 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 and you knew that's what he was saying (laughs) but then to wait for it to come back as he translated it was even fucking better <laughs> 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 oh that is-
3: I thought of one go ahead I yeah. thought of a comic okay, go, ahead. go ahead um my favorite Justice League story is, is called Trial by Fire um it is a, a Martian Manhunter centric story. Oh, I
0: love this. Um, oh fuck! I'm sorry. Sorry. Go.
3: Okay. So, <laughs> um, it requires a little bit of backstory. So I'll try and be quick. Um, Martian Manhunter. Martians in general have an, an inherent, like, genetic level fear of fire. Um, it's 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 just you know, it, it not only just like it's not like a Kryptonite thing. It's like oh, it hurts him. No, like he, you strike a match in front of him. He's uncomfortable. Um, there was a story called Emperor Joker. Uh, where the Joker got all kinds of crazy, like, god powers and was just giving random people superpowers. And so this uh, this young woman who had been being abused by her father, um, he gives her, she's like, I just, I, I just want him to burn. And Joker's like, dope, fire powers. And so <laughs> she gets this ability to control fire. She looks like a sort of a classic like, cartoon devil. Um, and Martian Manhunter and her meat She's clearly, like, not a true villain. She's just somebody who's been through, a, had a really, like, raw deal. And they agree uh, that he, John, uh, Marshall Manhunter, will help her deal with her psychological issues and the, the trauma from, from her abuse uh, if he can help, uh, if she can help him get over his fear of fire. And she does. And things seem great. Uh, and then you get these slow little reveals that, like, something's going on with him. He's a little more kind of, like he's not he doesn't feel like as 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 open and and sort of warm as he used to be. He's a little more, more like distant, a little more callous. Um, one of the things that happens during the story is, uh, uh, at the time, President Luthor uh, falls into a coma, and so Superman and him go and investigate, and you know they're leaving, and uh, Superman's like, you know we got we got to figure out what we can do to help him, and Martian Manor's like, yeah, but do we? You know, (laughs) wouldn't it be better if we didn't have to deal with him? And Superman just kind of looks at him and is like, "Yeah, we're not going to have that conversation. That's not a thing we're going to talk about." Um, Yeah, don't don't say things like that anymore. Um, You get this reveal that uh, uh, the the villain of the story shows up, and it's this very creepy-looking, like all a a flame creature called uh, Furnace, Furnace the Burning, and. The reveal is that um, there are. We we already knew that there were multiple kinds of Martians. There's green Martians, which which uh, Jean was the last of. There are white Martians, which are um, much more aggressive, much more uh, sort of unsettling, and 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 everybody thought that those were just the two. And then you find out that uh, there was a third, and they were called the burning Martians. And the burning Martians were like uh, when you compare the green to the white, the 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 burning were like so much worse they were <laughs> super aggressive and really really violent uh and not quite as intelligent uh but they were they were they were getting there uh and so the guardians of the universe uh the guys who created uh, uh, the green lantern core and the green lantern rings um when they were still actually doing their jobs uh were like sort of looking over things are like all right shit these guys are like a hundred years from space travel um if they get out and can start moving around the universe, bad shit's going to happen. Uh, so in one of the rare times where they actually, you know, step in and get their hands dirty, they, uh, manipulated the genes of Martians to implant a fear of fire inside of them, uh, to prevent any other burning Martians from ever existing. Um, and so, this monster, this horrible thing that everybody's dealing with, that single-handedly takes out the entire Justice League, is Jean. It is a part of him. Um, and so, he's kicking the Justice League's ass left and right. Um, and you know, I don't know if you if you don't know about Martian, the Martian Manhunter, he is. You know, if people talk about Superman being overpowered. Imagine Superman Superman could be intangible, invisible, and had telepathy, uh, and shapeshift. Um, yeah. So he has all of these abilities, <laughs> and there's a line in the story where somebody's where Superman is asked, like, you know, well, what are we gonna do? And Superman's like, I don't know. Uh, the one person I would never ever want to fight is Jean because he can do all of these things. Um, so there's a bunch of crazy shit that happens throughout the story. Um, uh, uh, among them, Plastic Man uh, uh, has given up uh, being Plastic Man. He has a kid. He wants to go deal with his go, go live with his kid and be and be a good dad. And so Batman goes and gets Plastic Man, brings him back. Uh, Plastic is one of the few people that can actually kind of stand toe to toe with Furnace. Um, and I'm blanking on which characters it is, but someone goes into Furnace's mind and they find uh, John, and he's inside of him, and he looks like a like a baby. He but he like like a like a gigantic baby, uh, and he's got these like huge chains all over him. And it's it's just you know sort of visible a, uh, a physical representation of the um, the sort of like emotional things that he's dealing with right now because because furnace as he's not it's not his personality it's 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 a, a disassociation kind of thing anyway all that to say there's all this buildup um, where you realize oh you know it's gonna have to be John that takes takes him over and 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 fights back and there's this moment where Plastic Man is facing off against this guy and he's clearly about to get his ass kicked and this green hand shoots out of the chest of this creature and it's this single splash page of Martian Manhunter pulling himself out of this creature and the line is Abhorrent thing, give me my life back (laughs) and it is so fucking cool (laughs) (laughs) Oh god it's... it is so great to ha- it's literally him fighting his demon um and like that this this creature that has hurt his friends and has th- like threatened the globe like like furnace launches like therm like thermonuclear weapons uh during this story uh because the other thing is about the burning martians is the way they reproduce is there needs to be fire and there needs to be pain uh the, and it needs to be on, like on like a mass psychic level um so he's a like he he thinks he's about to give birth to another burning Martian, and out comes John's hand. And oh god damn it, I'm gonna read that story again tonight.
0: That's that's so awesome too because that's <laughs> awesome. you've told you've told me that story, and as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh fuck, here it comes. So like. <laughs> like <laughs> I've, I've heard this story now from Rambo twice about this particular story, and it's—I actually—I went out and bought this series because I wanted to read it. And I knew how it ended, but I didn't fucking care because, like, he told it so well, but, like, exactly like we talked about. How many times—how many times have we read a comic book series or a storyline and we're like, okay, well, I wonder how they're going to pull this off? And then it's some bullshit. and This one wasn't at all. Like, this was not one of those moments where you're just like, oh, well, this is kind of a lame ending. No, no, they they totally nailed it with this one. So thank you for reminding me of that one, Rambo, because, yeah, that was fucking dope. Like
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Written by Joe Kelly, drawn by Doug Monkey, and inked by Tom Nguyen. It is fucking beautiful. Uh, it is a perfect... Uh, 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 not coalition, but it's a, it's perfect coming together of all of the disparate elements uh, of some of my favorite writing and art in comics.
0: Yeah, there um, there are some of our fans, some of our listeners who have chimed in as well uh, about some of their moments. Um, friend of of yours, Mister Mc Brooks, uh, Charmaine, uh, the chauffeur, as we've referred to her as if she was going to be in a Jason Statham movie. Um, She said the first The first thing that comes to mind is the 2008 Beijing Olympics men's relay race So I don't know if you guys remember this But the the physical freak of nature Known as Michael Phelps um, Was on his like tear where he was destroying Everybody uh, and winning gold medals Left and right well France Like the swimmers from France were talking shit like Only French people can do And like um, Michael Phelps comes out there and just Owns everybody and like, and I'm reading it word for word for what she says. She said the French, the French smack talk was fuel for the fire. It was a nerve wracking race. And we actually, uh, and we were actually losing, uh, but Lazak comes in at the end. Uh, also it was Colin Jones, first Olympic medal. I felt represented in that team because black people don't swim. And Colin Jones is black So yeah She was like I was so happy for him And then she puts the You know The black power fist up So (laughs) Um, To this day Me and my dad Still talk about this moment We were in our living room Going crazy Yelling at the TV I love the Olympics And this uh, For me is top five Best moments in Olympic history And it was all worth uh, Watching at 10 11pm at night Um, That's another thing That she brings up here too Is When you can share that moment With somebody else There's something incredible About that You know When when there's somebody else either like there with you, like you were describing, uh, you and Katie watching Joffrey, you know, get murdered, and you guys are holding hands, (laughs) like it it does make it just that much, that much better. Like when you have somebody to share it with. And like with the Caps, with them winning, there were so many people that that I've been friends with since I was a kid that like were Caps fans too. And like we had, I I have one friend, his name, a buddy of mine named Dorian. And Dorian and I have literally gotten in fights over this where like he would be, the negative one. He's like, these caps, the caps suck. I hate them. And they're never going to win. And they're just a bunch of choke artists. I'm like, you need to stop being an asshole. Okay. Because when they win, you're going to cry. And then I'm going to point at you and I'm going to laugh. And I'm going to say, I told you, you fucking cry, baby. Like, let's go. Come on. We're crying together at the damn championship <laughs> parade. Like, when they won, that, that was literally what we were doing. We were like messaging each other. And he's like, I'm crying. I'm going to cry too. It's so great. Like, it's the, being able to share this stuff with people is amazing. Um, Another one that we got was uh, Jeremy Lee of Rock Deep Rogue Radio. Uh, He said uh, Biggie's album Born Again, when that was released, he said 1989's Batman movie, uh, Mario 2 and 3, and then the release of the PlayStation 2. Um, I think Mario 2, I don't know about all that, but okay. Um, It was just a rehash of a Japanese game. Um, uh, My cousin Donnie, um, who grew up in Colorado. My uncle was a U.S. Marshal uh, for Native American Affairs, so they grew up in Denver, and Donnie was a big Denver Broncos fan. And for any of you sports fans out there, actually for people who are not sports fans, Mr. Uh, Mr. Rambo, I'll uh, give you a yes. little background on the Denver Broncos. So, in the the Denver Broncos of the '80s and the '90s, well, uh, they sucked a lot. So they would be really, really good up until the championship game, and then they would play somebody like, I don't know, the San Francisco 49ers and get destroyed. Like it wasn't like a close championship game. San Francisco would win like 55 to 10. Um, when when Washington played them in the Super Bowl, Washington beat them 42 to 17. Um They they got to the Super Bowl and you're like, oh, these guys have a chance, and then they would just get destroyed. And you were like, <laughs> never mind. So poor Donnie had to see this happen four times. They lost four Super Bowls and none of them were ever close. And then in like 1990, was it 97 or 98 MC? What
4: uh are those I want to say 7.
0: Yeah. They they end up playing the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. And it's a really really close game and like their longtime like heroic quarterback John Elway, who's like 40 years old at this point, like he's marching them down the field to try to score like the game-winning touchdown, right? And, like, he he takes off running because there's nobody open. And, like, gets down to, like, the five-yard line. And, like, there's, like, three guys there to tackle him. And he, like, dives over them. And one of the dudes hits him in midair. And he spins around like a helicopter. Like, his legs swing around like a helicopter. And he lands on the ground. And you're like, oh, my God, John Elway's dead. And he gets up, like, emphatically and, like, pumps his fist. And you're like, oh, my God, he's still alive. And, like... <laughs> just seeing this old dude this old white dude like being like no i'm winning this game like you are not stopping me from winning this championship and they ended up winning and it was just like it was awesome and he says like he said right here he said i still get emotional when i think about that game um but he also like like us sports and nerd stuff he said that uh nolan uh, christopher nolan's dark knight trilogy what he said was like, this? like when he envisioned Batman a lot of the stuff that he read um, because he's a big comic book fan too he said when he got to see it on the big screen that's how he envisioned a lot of it Um, Batman not being a detective well there's that
4: yeah (laughs)
3: Ouch. <laughs> there are so many things I can say, and all I'm going to say is I'm happy that dude is happy. There you That's go. That's great. Yeah. Good on we'll you, it, brother. We'll leave,
0: it, we'll leave it at that. Donnie's, Donnie's good people, but yes, I, I agree with your you life. guys as well. Yes, exactly. What makes you happy makes me happy that you're happy, so there you go. Um, <laughs> hey, one that we haven't even talked about, and it's very, very close uh, proximity time-wise, uh, Endgame. I think they, yeah. I, was, I
4: was I was gonna I was gonna I was going to bring that up, but it, it felt like a cheat card because it just happened.
3: Yeah, and it's yeah you know, like oh uh, most most uh, uh viscerally satisfying payoff. Oh, the last twenty minutes of that movie, the, right. <laughs> like almost the entirety of the ending of that film.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They did that. It was it was satisfying. I, I would I would definitely agree, and and I think that. Um, Mr. Rambo we haven't really gotten a chance to do we did in little spurts here when we did like the geek sheets and stuff like that but the next time we have you on as as our uh, resident comic book expert um, I really want to take like really kind of pick apart um, endgame and and talk about that and Infinity War and like the things that we liked, the things we didn't like the things that we felt could have been better like those sorts of things because I feel like there are things that you might have to say about such things as our resident comic book expert I might have some opinions. We like opinions. Those are good. As long as it's not like, oh, I'm tired of all this forced diversity. We don't like those opinions, but yeah.
3: Yeah, no. Not none of those.
0: None of I don't understand
3: why there's all these girls in my superhero movie.
0: Dude, I'll tell you what was great, man. I was so proud of my kid. We were in Disney World. And he was standing in line, and there was this other kid that was, like, roughly the same age as him. And they're just talking, you know, like kids do. And the kid was like, did you see you know Star Wars Star Wars oh, yeah because we were in line for Star Tours and he was like did you see The Last Jedi and Jax is like yeah I loved it and he was like I didn't like it because I don't like that they're forcing girls to be heroes and Jax just turns and looks at me and rolls his eyes and turns looks back, <laughs> looks, back looks back looks back at the kid and he goes well girls are awesome too bye and we just walked away and he was like
3: <laughs> fuck you I hope you die cold and alone
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was the coolest moment too because he was oh, just like wonderful. he was like well girls are awesome too Mm, fuck off and not only that too this obnoxious little fucker was standing behind us in line and he wanted to be like when you ride the ride right there's a there's a spot where you get stopped by depending on which version of the ride it is uh you're either stopped by darth vader and he's looking for a rebel spy or you're stopped by kylo ren who's looking for a resistance spy right and they pick one random person to be the rebel spy and this kid behind us wouldn't shut up and was like, I want to be the rebel spy. What do I got to do to be the rebel spy? What do I got to do to be the rebel spy? And and all I'm thinking no myself is – No one's going to
3: hire you to be a spy if you don't shut your goddamn mouth.
0: Exactly. So you know who they chose to be the rebel spy? They chose Jax to be the rebel spy. And Jax was just like, Dad, I'm the rebel spy. And like, I, I don't know if it actually happened. I might have imagined this. But I feel like Jax kind of turned around and looked at that kid and kind of gave him a smirk. And he's like, mm, I'm the rebel spy. How about that?
3: spies aren't known for being talkative dipshit yeah
0: basically yeah um guys this was a lot of fun man we got a lot of really good moments that were the things that we wanted to, to get a payoff on we did get a payoff on there's there are some TV series that I think had some really satisfying endings. I feel like uh, Rambo, a, a favorite of ours, Justified. I feel like Justified had a really satisfying oh, ending.
3: Oh, God, yeah.
0: Yeah, that had a really, really satisfying ending. Um, there, But for the most part, most TV series, I, I feel, don't have satisfying endings because it's such a hard thing to do. Um, Matrix,
2: if that counts. Matrix, I was super excited about the second one and the third one. And that was satisfying to me.
0: But, nice. Nice. They they but got maybe, they caught a lot of crap, but I'm with you. I actually I, I enjoyed those as well.
2: I liked them. They weren't as good as the first one, but man, that fight scene on the trucks and the second one oh yeah was so good. And yeah. I saw all of them in the theater. So yeah, yeah. But that one oh man, that was awesome.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, M Night Shyamalan movies. Those are another thing. I'm huge into those. So I've oh. gone to the theater to see. Gosh, all of them except for Glass. It's the only one mm. that I didn't see in the theater.
4: I'm and- I'm personally offended by the existence of his movies.
2: <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. <laughs>
4: like oh I, God. I. I don't have anything nice to say about any of his films (laughs) other than I'm happy that people had jobs and were able to make money. Just be happy that that (laughs) I'm happy.
2: I read my children his bedtime book, Lady in the Water. Oh, Oh, my God. So awful. Every time we see grass clippings, I would always say, oh, my God, it's a scrunch. And my kids would duck down. They would think that, you know, they were getting them. But yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with it. I love 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 his movies. I was UK, just telling someone,
3: "Happy, the other. you are happy." Yeah. There it is. <laughs> I
2: like them because like, everything is so predictable, and his are the only movies that I really uh, like. I can't figure out how it's going to end, and I love I love like twist endings like that.
0: It's just so interesting though, too, because like you, for the things that we've discussed, like for the most part, like. Uh, the, I was not expecting M Night Shyamalan. Let me just state that. Like, yeah. I just, I mean, <laughs> but that's the, that's the thing, though. You know, to to each their own. Like, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna harp on somebody for being like I can't believe yeah. you're like that because you know I almost started a fist fight over Pan's Labyrinth. So, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, but that's justified. That's, yeah, that's a worthwhile fight. Yeah. I would I would start a fist fight over M Night Shyamalan 100% any day. Square up. <laughs> all right, I got you. I got you, Number Two.
0: Come on. Next week, see, like next week on MC GGR said... Pirate Radio, MC versus TK. It's be a knock, drag out. There. battle of the initials. <laughs> what yeah.
4: MC
3: said, like, but if you swap out uh, Shyamalan for Tyler Perry, I every time I see um, a a really talented black actor pop up in one of those movies, I'm just like, you know what? We all gotta eat. You know, I mean, you know, make that money, pad that resume. Oh, wait. But god
2: hey, damn it.
0: I got my version. Okay. Adam Sandler movies. Okay. I, I know people shit on them. I don't give a damn. I love them. Like they I like are
2: Adam Sandler too.
0: They're He's so funny. They're so they're so cheesy and they're so one-dimensional and they're so lowbrow humor. But those Grown Ups movies, Grown Ups 1 and 2 laughed my ass off. Really enjoyed I was going to say
3: I'm like I'm like wait, all right. Wait, when we say Adam Sandler movies, yeah. How recent are we talking?
0: Well, even the funny thing about the old ones, man, is his old ones got shit on when they came out. Like, people hated oh, I'm sure. them. But, like, for whatever reason, like, as time has gone on, like time has looked favorably upon adam sandler's older stuff like people i i heard some i can't remember where it was but i was reading somewhere that they were saying billy madison is a work of art and i was like i wouldn't go that far <laughs> that's a bold fucking statement <laughs> <Have> you, <laughs> i mean have it's, you um
2: watched the video that he does the um the phone wallet keys whatever
0: yeah oh yeah
2: Oh, that's so funny! Have yeah. you seen Eight Crazy Nights? I love that one too. Oh, uh,
0: that's a good one. As a kid that's who a grew one. up Jewish, I I, I appreciate that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that one. Oh, hey, big news! Because we we um and as we let the trumpet fair go on here, um, we have been repping this show since it came out on Hulu so hard i wrote an article about it oh um, yeah <laughs> there's big news friggin letter kenny is coming to hulu for season seven it's going to be a hulu original so they're going to keep doing more uh, seasons of this show and i could not be more excited we're so excited that sandy and i are actually going back and watching more episodes of it right now so and we we just watched the episode that i shared the clip on um on phil's uh, page when phil announced it when uh, the clip of uh squirrely dan talking about how he went on the date and the girl paid special <laughs> attention to his buttholes oh my god like what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what guys we're gonna go ahead and play that clip right now <laughs> you're hucking the ball
1: around with your pals the other day say uh what's the deal with your sweetie there squirrely Dan? Well, I took her out last night her too house to the chip truck fries and gravy I had mine with gravy she had hers with salt and malts vinegar do you salt and malt vinegar is not a traditional way to dress your french fries in the United States? the fuck is wrong with them? Like malt vinegar is not a staple condiment on tabletops or restaurants in the United States. Fuck, figure it out. That's what I say, so figure it out. Got no vinegars on the tables, no Kraft's peanut butters? Figure it out. Fucking figure it out. Better not forget those fucking all-dressed chips. No ketchup chips, neither. Figure it out. Somebody really ought to write a letter. You got six different types of Cap'n Crunch, though. How do you know that? Some comedian talks about it on the just Rears. Can't remember his name, though. Good guy, though? A little long-winded for my taste, but yeah, pretty good guy. I'm well, glad to hear he's a good guy, at least. they have running water down there? Anywho, the uh, evening went so well that uh, we got to a little bit, so they're fooling around. Did you French her? Or... Kind had of of line there, Derry. Did you go up a shirt? No, you're really out of line, dear. We did French. That much I will reveal. We already revealed that much. You might as well just tell us if you went up for shirt. Simple like to kiss and tell, Derry. I don't like to kiss and tell, but... The Frenchans took a hard left turn from which I have yet to recover. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what? I'm not asking you to kiss and tell. That's impolite. But I'm kind of curious. Yeah, Dan, kiss and tell. I'm sure you boys have had a couple. Curved balls thrown your ways betwixt the sheets. Well, not to be impolite, but... You know, sometimes a gal... Will be kissing around on like the area near your genitals, but not quite on your genitals. Makes me ticklish and insecure. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to be impolite, but sometimes a gal will do some kissing on the ears, which makes me uncomfortable because even though I clean my ears, sometimes a tater will just roll out of there unexpected. That <laughs> kind of likes both those things. That's why I called Scully Dan. Every yeah, reason, fucking five million. Well, not to be impolite, but. This gal suggested that <laughs> maybe I should have some attentions paid <laughs> to my Did <butts> <laughs> 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 That ever, ever happened to you guys? You ever have a gal suggest that you need some attentions paid to your butt's holes? <laughs> it sounds so
0: lost. At, at, at this point, Trisha, they won't throw the ball to Squirrely Dan anymore. Like, it's just the two of them playing catch. I take that as a hard no, I guess. She put a couple fingers up there and...
1: Turns out you got a neroginous zone up there. Found the found hot button. And... Gave it a tickle and, uh... feels, uh, it feels pretty good, you guys, okay? Bob I really liked it. <laughs> it felt, felt very natural. <laughs> nice. That's how you get the body in front of it. Body in front. They call it milking the
4: prostate.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: God.
3: And it, just it, to like be to further clear, at this point, they're just essentially acting as though Dan is not there anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just throwing the ball to each other oh and, God. like, will not stop looking at each other. Oh, God. And the part when he goes, she goes, you ever have a girl pay attention to your, your, your butts holes? Like, <laughs> Wayne looks at him in his mouth. His jaw drops. And like, he starts, like, inching away from him and, like, puts his hand behind his back, like, covering his backside. Like, it's... <laughs> It is, it is easily the funniest show I've seen in, in years. It is, it is so goddamn funny. And like, it has permeated like my life too, because like, I'll purposely like, I got Steve into it when Steve was down visiting. I got Steve to watch it. Now he's hooked to it. So like anytime, like, if we're like going back and forth, like talking about different things, we're setting up for the show. Um, and it like happens to be like 11, eleven he'll message me and be like, Hey Mike, it's 11, 11, make a wish. And I'd send him the, the meme that says, Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. I did it to you once too, didn't I?
3: Uh, yes, you did. Yeah, okay.
0: And you were like, you were like, what are you, my fucking mom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Trisha, you got to watch this show though. It's, it's fucking wonderful. Okay. Oh my god. So anyways, back to the show. Um Letterkenny is just an, an awesome show and like I couldn't I couldn't be happier for these guys cuz they deserve it. Like there's so many shows out there that seem to get like extra seasons and you're just like who the fuck is watching this? Like this started as the them just doing their comedy stuff on YouTube. And then it went from YouTube to Crave. Crave is like the Canadian version of uh, Netflix, right? And they got to they got a deal with Crave. And then Crave sold it to Hulu for two seasons. And those two seasons were like, it was like the 20th most watched show on Hulu last year. So they added more seasons. And now they're going to be just continuing the series on Hulu. It's just fucking awesome. I'm so happy for these guys because they're all like, they're all just really, really good, hardworking, decent people too. Like they're all just, they're all super nice. Not only that, like when I posted my article about about Letterkenny, because I did a review for it on GTR last year, When I posted it on Instagram, uh, like three of the actors liked it and commented on the Instagram post. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, these guys are super. Wow. Like normally celebrities don't monitor their own Instagrams. But these guys were like messaging me and stuff. They were like, hey, we really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Fucking A. And I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Awesome. Uh, Guys, this was (laughs) an awesome episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Thank you so much. If you're being involved uh miss uh, tk walker hey so i want you just to tease it just a little bit because it we're, we're going to kind of change gears here because we we're just talking about something pretty funny but you've been doing a ton of research into a case that's actually that started in this area in the uh, fredericksburg spotsylvania massaponics area um that's going to be kind of the the base for your first episode of your true crime podcast um I mean, can you tell us like a little tiny bit of like what this story is all about?
2: Yeah, I really do. I um, I've researched a lot, and I've actually followed this case since they first found her. But Heather Scone, um, everybody in Fredericksburg loved her. She was just a sweetheart. But I really want to focus more on the entire story, like what led up to that. How did it get to this point? And why wasn't anything done about it? Um, apparently, from the Facebook posts and things like that that are still public, the girl, the girlfriend of the guy that was in the car with, with them when she was shot um, had threatened her numerous times, um, setting up fake profiles and all that kind of stuff. So, I really want to just start there and kind of go from that angle, but find out more about heather find out more about all the parties involved and really just build off of it um try to cover things that weren't covered in the local media um and see everything from more of a personal angle versus what was portrayed on regular television freelance star which did they ever cover anything um but, Other than yeah, restaurant openings, it.
0: no, pretty much. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the things that I really like about what you want to do with this is that everybody... I mean, there's the facts, right? It's, you know, this, po- this poor girl was a waitress. She sounds like she fell in with the wrong crowd. She ends up being found dead. But to know the personal stories behind it is really, like, that's what makes it more fascinating. That's what makes it more interesting. That's what makes it utterly more heartbreaking. But it's something that we normally don't do here at G- GGR, but... I want. We, we've talked about this before. We want to try new things. We're going to try some different things. So uh, we're going to tr- try our hat at that. And uh, with somebody as knowledgeable and who has done as much research as TK, I think this is going to be uh, a very well thought out and uh, insightful piece. So uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be coming here in the weeks, uh, weeks to come. But also, too, I'm not going to blow up his spot. I don't know if he's ready to talk about it yet, but we've talked a little bit about it. But Mr. James Rambo is working on uh, a project. Can we even discuss it yet, Mr. Rambo? Or is this so top secret that we can't even dis- divulge any information?
3: I mean, I don't have a problem talking about it, but when it's going <laughs> to happen, who fucking knows? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a podcast. I've been thinking about doing it for a while, um, and it's essentially, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a lot of times. So like one of, the, one of the most common questions an artist gets asked is like, oh, what do you, you – know, what did you ink this with or what, you know, what kind of paints do you use on this stuff? Because a lot of people sort of – they see professional work and they assume that, oh, I'm not able to do this because I don't have this particular tool. And a very common response to that is like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you use and, you know, any, any artist worth their salt should be able to make art from anything and blah, blah, blah. And that's all bullshit. Um, that is what... <sighs> there is something to it in that a talented artist can create from anything. But I have seen professional painters lose their shit throw fucking hissy fits because the particular kind of paint that they've been using for the last 30 years is suddenly off the market and no one told them that was going to happen and what are they going to do everybody finds things they're comfortable with everybody finds particular kinds of pens or gouache or or brushes or whatever it is you learn to to uh, you know how things are going to be affected depending on where you put them and how you use them um, so uh, the, the thing that I'm going kick around for a while it is one of I, what now probably several hundred million uh, interview podcasts um, uh, and it's going to be um, what what kind of art do you make uh, and what do you use to make it uh, while also talking about inspiration and you know just uh, 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 um, you know what drives you to make certain things and and where have you have you picked up certain uh, ideas and things from um so yeah that should be pretty fun
0: yeah dude it's something that when you first came down here for the first episode of ggr pirate radio that you were on we talked about this back then so like it's just super exciting to see it come to this point like that it's Because there's, let me tell you, man, and MC can attest to this too, because we worked with a group that did this. There are so many people that say things like this and they're just, they're so full of crap and they're like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want this and I want that, but they don't put the effort in and they don't put the work in. And you mentioned something too, that resonates with me big time. There are so many people that I will talk to and they're like, oh, hey, you're a podcaster. Oh, I want to get into it. But like, I just don't have the equipment. I'm like, do you want, do you know what I use? (laughs) I, I use a laptop and headphones. I was like, I went out and got a mic, but the microphone was like 35 bucks. I was like, you probably spend more on that and, uh, you know, and lunch at work in a week. I was like, if you want to do it, find a way. I was like, I, there are people I know who pod- podcast on their phones. Like the technology is there. Don't.
2: Hey, now we don't have to call people out. You know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: listen. <laughs>
0: i don 't think you're, i don 't think your your issues t k are technologically uh, based i think yours are a confidence thing and that 's why we 're here because we're you're fucking awesome, and we're going to show you how awesome you are, and you're going to be like, damn, I am awesome, and then then we'll all be millionaires. Uh, there's a step in there somewhere will, in between, but we're somewhere. We
2: are going to the Redskins, and <laughs> we're going to be phenomenal. We're going to save the world with exactly. making the Redskins win. <laughs> exactly.
0: We're going to save the world somehow with <laughs> geeky, nerdy podcasts. Um, but, like, it's... If, if there's any message that I can give to anybody, I mean, Rambo was just saying it, too, but, like, don't let don't let your lack of professional grade equipment stop you from doing the thing that you want to do because anybody can podcast. Most podcasts that you listen to are recorded on somebody's laptop in their living room. Um, You don't need a studio. You don't need a professional studio. Um, Don't be that guy who lets your thing that you claim to be your dream stop because you can't quote unquote, go to a studio. Like if you really want your dream to live, you will find a way to make it happen. And absolutely. That's kind of the thing that I want to want to end on, um, MC. I want you real quick. I know because you're working on Dark Dawn 2. Tell me a little bit about that process. Like, how, how is that going so far?
4: Uh, well, Dark Dawn Two will be out the, in the fall time. Uh, they're probably closer to like November or something. It's it's mostly done. Uh, I, sh- I, I I did share the artwork with you, and it looks really oh, awesome. Yeah. And uh, shout out to uh, CJ who does my artwork because she's really amazing at what she does, and she does it all from scratch, which which is kind of awesome. So uh, shout out to her. Um, it's it's. I mean, I've been working on it since I actually since I finished Dark Dawn One. Um, This is just kind of a part two because it was originally going to be a full-length album And then I just just decided to split it into two shorter smaller projects, which um, Was a good thing because it allowed me to actually go back and redo some stuff that I needed to do uh, To turn part two into what it's going to be Um, it's Partially done. Um, Like I said, it'll be out in the in the fall time and uh, I'm really excited for everyone to hear it It's a bit more intimate than the first one was so, uh, yeah, it's kind of awesome.
0: Okay. Yeah, dude, I can't wait to hear it either. Cause I, I really enjoy the, uh, the first one and like selfish is still like that first time I heard it still. Like I was like, I was like, well, this guy says he's, you know, he's a rapper, but you know, fuck every person I went to in high school said they were a rapper too. Um, <laughs> but like when I actually heard your stuff, I was like, this guy is not like, he's an artist. Because I feel like there's a difference there. Everybody's like, oh, I can rap. Okay, great. You know, so can Macho Man Randy Savage. You know, he had an album. It was fucking horrible. (laughs) But like, you're you're an artist. The shit that you put together sounded awesome. The the words flowed together. Like it all just, it, it was all, it was right, if that makes sense. And like I was just, I'm still impressed. I'm like, fuck, this guy's really talented. Why the hell is he hanging out with us? Like, it's it's just it's awesome that that I just talked to three people on a podcast with me, and they're all doing something creative and awesome. And it's just it's fucking dope, dude. Like our our little team of of refugees of geeks is it, it's I, I just couldn't I couldn't be prouder. I couldn't be happier. Like it's it's so awesome having this crew that we have. And I, I can't wait to see what we got coming up next. Um, but guys, thank you all for, for joining me on uh, another episode of GGR pirate radio, but all those people out there in radio, internet listening land, thank you guys for tuning in and for listening uh, to another episode. We appreciate all that you do in sharing our content and listening to our stuff uh, thank you so very much for doing that but for all of us here at ggr pirate radio and for the great geek refuge remember check out the website it's greatgeekrefuge.com for all of us here at ggr my name is mike lunsford and thank you so much for tuning in five to go flurry at the edge of the crease and now
1: the hash marches of still Stop by Braden Holtby. It's an adventure right there to watch this. The puck goes across. Tuck has a wide open net and the paddle of the stick. Holtby. In Washington, they'll be calling this the save.
4: This has been Pirate Radio Network Production, Juice bags. <laughs> yeah, boy.